Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, November 3rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It was a big day for the Royals, who introduced new manager Matt Cotrero at Kauffman Stadium. Maybe you saw the broadcast on Valley Sports or heard part of the news conference. We'll give you more on today's show. After the TV lights were turned off, Cotrero met with a group of reporters. He took questions ranging from what his first managerial job means to him to what he hopes is, will be the impact of Salvador Perez. After a break, you'll hear from the same group that shared time with Royals Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations, J.J. Piccolo. He discussed what the Royals were looking for in their new manager and how the process unfolded. You'll hear questions asked by the stars Lynn Worthy, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Pete Gradhoff, along with MLB.com's Annie Rogers, Dave Scretta of the Associated Press, Greg Eklund of KCUR Public Radio, and Josh Vernier of the Royals Radio Network. Cotrero is up first, and then Piccolo after a break. Let's get to it. At the end of that, I, I asked about making players feel important and what that you know, for, for as much as we talk about the way that Tampa does business in Cleveland and churning talent and all of that, uh, you know, w- when that penetrates in here and players feel like they're uh, an asset more so than an individual, that's kind of where I was driving with that. Gotcha. Of how you make them feel. Yeah, I mean, that, one of the first things I said in there is, you know, we have a process for how you make decisions. And not, eh, oh, sorry. And, um, you know, JJ said, oh, I can't find a negative thing. As soon as you tell somebody they're getting sent down, that guy's going to have something negative right. to say about you, right? So that that's something that I'm keenly aware of. But the players that they they tend to know, okay, I have options left. You know, those are the guys that end up being the ones that are sent out and brought back. So the message is really those are out of your those thing, choice those options are out of your control, right? So when you're here and you have an opportunity to pitch out here, you're pitching. For yourself, you're pitching for the Royals. You're pitching for all the other teams in baseball. We're gonna do everything we can for every time you go out there. We're gonna put you in the best position to succeed and work with you as if you're a 10-year veteran that's a stalwart here on the staff. So there's no second-class citizens on within the team as they go out there. Everybody gets the same attention, the same level of care, and that's that's the best we can do. Yeah. Matt. You- probably been in the clubhouse uh, already today or even the last few days, but I, I do wonder if this, this brings home the, the feeling of like you're wearing the gear, you're, you're the Royals manager, and what, what that means to you. It looked like you got a little choked up with your family earlier today. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's surreal still. You know, I mean, the, the process is such a whirlwind process, and you're on the phone, and then it's inevitable. You know, you're you're talking, you're in meetings, you're flying, you're going back and forth, you're talking to your family, and then it's like, okay, should I start thinking about this? Went pretty well. Should I think about where we'd want to live? And like, so your mind is everywhere. And then now that it's here, it's still it's kind of like, okay, my feet are on the ground. We're standing here. We're talking about this. It's real. But I think there's so much work ahead in the process that we're going to dive into. Like the the emotion came out, I think, because you can't no one person can be here by themselves you know and it's those kids um, whoever has kids here I mean they're they're a full-time job and she deals with that and it's a lot you know so um, they're high energy they're great but it's you know all they're running around and the stuff that you miss as a as a dad when you're doing this job and the sacrifices that your families make and 
you know, my parents, my dad's passed away, but my mom isn't here. So just thinking about all that stuff is where the emotion came from. In a lo long way to get here. I mean, I know you're relatively young and to, to be ending this job, I guess, There's, but, but I, I do wonder how much you feel just in this moment, the consciousness of the, the road to get here. That's a part yeah, of it too. I, I, I've really, over the years, done the best I can to like appreciate each day and like where I am and even going back to I've spent a ton of my time in New York growing up there coaching in the New York Penn League and all those things and just remembering those random Tuesday nights in Batavia New York and a New York Penn League game or those bus trips through the night and those things and I think those are all the things that build you to who you are and the appreciation for like and and the you know readiness to to be here you know if I was 29 and they said go manage the Royals it would be like that's great but <laughs> you're just set up to fail you know and I think a lot of those experiences have made me feel comfortable being here. Now you've talked a lot about the 5149 I wonder when you initially latched on to that and it's pretty self-explanatory what you mean by that but just how you that that sort of drives your thinking on it seems. Yeah well I mean I've been in the organizations that I think feel that way. And, and I think the bigger point of that is to understand that I, I think sometimes the narrative is you're either an analytics person or a baseball person. And I think that's far from the truth. And I think just understanding that the way to make decisions is just try to make the best decisions, even in daily life, you know, like, I don't know what's going to happen when I step off this curb, but I'm going to wait till the car goes by, you know, to that's the 51. If I wait, if I go before the car comes, that's the 49, you know, so I'm trying to just live life that way, but also approach baseball that way so that the enormity of those decisions doesn't overwhelm you. Do you remember the first time you wanted to be a manager? I know you played for a while and then obviously coached, but do you remember? Uh, when my, like when the minor leagues, I felt like I really wanted to do it right away. Like I coached for two years and then our farm director at the time, Cam Bonifay, he said, I think you, I think this would suit you. I said, I, I, I like that. Like I always, even as a player, I knew that like I always gravitated towards the coaches and the, and the managers and stuff. Just tried to learn as much as I could from them. And um, so I, I guess I kind of thought I would want to do that. I never set out to aspire to be a major league manager. I thought I wanted, I wanted to be a big league player whatever that was worth and then like I said like I've always just done the job I have the best I can and then if other opportunities came up explore them. Why do you think you gravitated toward the coaches and managers when you were a player? I think a lot of it was my upbringing my parents were both teachers um, and just that curiosity that constant learning environment and those are the guys like I was seeking out information. You came close to being a big league player. You? Well, I don't know about that. I, mean, <laughs> I got to AAA, but I was that's the, close. That's close yeah, that's but close. I think I was about as far away from the big leagues in AAA as anybody could be. Was there ever a disappointment that you never made it as a player? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you put years and years and years of dedication and hard work and stuff into something, and you want to see it through. Um, but with all these years now to reflect on that, I mean, I, someone could have called me up, but I wasn't a major league quality regular player by any means. Matt, do you feel like you, you take a demeanor of the teacher from your parents? I mean, I know we're in a controlled environment, so, you know, talking, you're not out there managing a game, but I mean, it, it, it feels like you project that kind of calm and yeah. is that something yeah. you think Yeah, I mean, my them? parents were 
instrumental in the don't ride the roller coaster you know like do the best you can prepare yourself work hard and then the results are what they are if you studied enough for your test and you get a good grade then you got a good grade if you know you didn't do the work then don't expect don't expect the good grade you know and, and there's so much like I said a couple times that are at, that's out of your control so don't don't get too emotional when those things happen Especially, it does sound like you, that really is applicable to baseball. I mean, there, there really is so much out of your control. For all you think you can control, how, how, how does that affect how you view the game? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, you know, the ball takes a funny bounce or, you know, you, you know you're the manager, but the players are the ones that are controlling the outcome of the things on the field. And even them, like the pitcher lets go of the ball, he doesn't control anything that happens after that. You know, the hitter takes a swing he controls some of it based on his timing but who catches it you know what the base runners do in front of him he's out of control of that at that point so it's just a matter of letting things happen and is that okay by you you can you well can you have no choice that. right I mean, and, and i mean i've never sat in this seat i mean there are obviously frustrations that happen in a game you, you put a hit and run on and it doesn't work you take a pitcher out or put a pitcher in and it backfires of course like you're going to second guess. I mean, that's the nature of baseball, right? Everybody, I'm sure you guys will do it, and everybody will do it. That's just that's how it works. Do you, do you think uh, what, what the Astros did last night is kind of a pretty accurate reflection of what you know baseball is today? And you know, a no hitter in the World Series and was done by four different guys. And yeah. Just want yeah. to get your thoughts on. I, I watched some of it. I was not locked into the pitch counts and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. The kids were bouncing around, but uh, like, but. The general theme, I, I'm thinking maybe a little bit of what they're thinking. There's three or four more games to play and keeping guys fresh and not using everybody up on the same night so it's an all-hands-on-deck if they get to game seven. But, yeah, I don't know how many pitches he had when they 97. took him. 97. Okay. When you were in there, you talked about pitch usage and, or just you know different ways to maybe improve the process or development. How does that process look at arriving at? Just pitch you just literally just one example, but you know, at, at arriving at a decision where what what pitches a guy should be throwing. Um, how does how do we arrive at? Well, you know, we'll have a pitching department, yeah. coach, bullpen coach, you know, analysts, all those kinds of guys will communicate with each other. And I think there's a tremendous amount of digging that goes into the history of their pitch usage and pitches like theirs and how effective they've been and how ineffective and which ones they should rely on so that's like a brief snapshot of like that in, that's taking that information bringing it to the staff bringing it to the player and then applying it so kind of a pyramid okay. you, you've had a chance to sort of be exposed to some different organizations through the interview processes and things like that I just wonder what stood out in your mind about here I mean obviously aside from them offering you the job that <laughs> <laughs> stood out yeah. <laughs> um, well I, I, just like I said in there um, the thing that I was really looking for was that stability the support and I when I say stability I realize that this job is not stable by nature right because you win and you lose but what I was you know I asked the question of them of what does someone asked me in there what does progress or success you asked that question yeah um, so I asked the same I had asked the same thing of them like is it a set number of wins is it just progress is it but what came back was 
trusting the processes that we have in place are we are we actually walking the walk of what we're talking about right now are we all collaborating is that back and forth there where hey the analysts can bring us stuff but we can also say to them no that's wacky let's let's rework this like put have we waited this enough those kinds of things so i think that's where we're going to start the process of uh, building those relationships and that collaboration that's that and I heard that a lot come out in the process what are going to be some of the things um, that you look for as you guys start filling out the staff and you start interviewing people to be part of your coaching staff I mean what is it background traits I mean what are what are the things that stand out to you that are going to be important as you do that yeah people that are curious people that are open-minded people that can communicate and collaborate um, you know I'm going to take the broad assumption that if you're looking for a major league pitching coach he's competent in pitching knowledge and the same hitting and all that kind of stuff you know and we'll have to round out the staff based on uh, areas of expertise to you know infield play we, you know Damon does outfield and so we need catching we need infield we need pitching so we'll, some of those things will come into play as well but more so than anything I really, truly, I'm not going to micromanage those guys. You know, we'll be talking about things, but the pitching coach and the bullpen coach, they're the managers of that area. The hitting guys, the same in their area, because the more plugged in they are to those players, the more back and forth there is in that area. And then we all, the more of that kind of growth we get, the, the faster we see the improvements. Have you talked to Tito? Yeah. Yeah. What was that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have probably talked to him. Some of it was straight comedy, and some of it—I mean, there's genuine care there. He, we have a great relationship. Um, he's proud, you know. He's happy, um, and you know, I said just—I I really appreciate what he did for me, and and what he's done for countless other coaches too. But um, yeah, we we had a nice talk the other night. And now you're in the same division. Now you got to go beat him, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that'll that be a little <laughs> odd the first time I had seen him across. Well, we'll get to see him in spring training, but yeah, yeah. You envision any pranks that he'll pull? <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> I mean, he's pulled some out I over the years, the, the right? Cash one this year. Yeah, he had some with me when I first went back there, and so he doesn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> Skip, you talked a lot about collaboration both in the room there and here now, and collaborating obviously with coaches, but also you've got Salvi, you've got Bobby Witt Jr. Salvi's record speaks for itself, and then Bobby really exciting in the game. How excited are you to collaborate with them as players? They're going to be leaders of this team and definitely, you know, yeah. you know paving the way as well. Those are the first two guys I called. Um, I think that, you know, Salvi stands alone, right? What he's accomplished and who he is in the community and the type of player. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the message, I think I mentioned it in there. If I didn't, I'm sorry. But the the message with all these guys is that here, let us know what you're thinking. We're going to, my, my vision of this is our, our coaching staff and our support staff is here to do anything we can to make them better. Some of it will be large growth, some of it's incremental little growth, but just to get the best out of them, we need to hear from them. You know, this is their career and we can sit here and talk about pitch usage or game philosophy and those things, but none of that matters unless we meet them where they are and, and, and help them get better. So it is exciting, you know, and I have, you know, I, I said, <laughs> I've seen Salvi beat us up <laughs> and I've seen, you know, us 
have success against him, I'd rather now go back to when he's beaten people up and be on that side of it and just get him, you know, especially for him to get back to the level where this organization was. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. somebody you don't know how it's going to go yeah. but he he was really really good in his interview and it was apparent after the first interview that he was somebody who was going to be a finalist when you mentioned the uh, not interviewing the organization i wonder if you could expand on that say it again when you mentioned in your opening statement that you're not interviewing the organization yeah can you expand on that yeah I, I just think it's a professional courtesy we're not trying to extract information on what tampa does or what you know, we interviewed by somebody from Boston, somebody from LA. That's not the purpose of interview. I'm not trying to, you know, hijack people's processes. I'm trying to hijack their best people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know that's what I wanted to find out. So I think, and I and I, it is something I share with our own people when they interview. Like, just understand that you'll know if they're interviewing the Royals or you, and it's important that they're interviewing you and not the Royals, otherwise it's not the right place to be. So I share that with, um, in this case, Eric Dander. I didn't want him to worry about that. I shared it with the Dodgers, I shared it with the Red Sox, um, and I shared it with the Phillies. So we're interested in who the person is and how he fits us. We'll figure out what his processes are if we ask the right questions, but his process is not his team's processes. They're going to intertwine somewhere, but it's more about how he thinks, and you know, I think we handled it pretty well. JJ, speaking of that, you, you spoke to this a little bit, but the personality and leadership type, when, what was it specifically that you saw in him that spoke to that? And did we see some, some of that today? You did. Just how he was here? Yeah, he's got, he's got a, you know, he was described, I haven't told him this yet, but he was described as being very dry, uh, which you, there's a hint of that, but there's a sense of humor there as well that was very, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but yeah, he kind of captured you with it, you know, but his, um, his ability to uh, process his thoughts and then verbalize his thoughts was, was, was excellent. Um, there, he definitely took in some of the exercises he went through. There was a lot of information in front of him. You could clearly see what he gravitated to and then how he was going to answer the questions or whatever the scenario may have been. Um, but there's also a, a level of humility that I think is going to be very inviting to our players. Um, and I do know he's going to want to seek out players. He wants them to participate in their career, not tell them what their career is going to be. And I think that's going to be greatly appreciated by our, our current players. And when you when you add that, when you said that part about you guys making a decision collectively about pitching coach, is that unusual? Was that a request that was made up front? Or did you uh, know that, that was, before you made No, that? that was very intentional on our part, uh, that whoever we hired as a manager, we want to know, because we don't, we don't know who all the guys are. We have a list. There were names that overlapped on his list and our list, which is good. That's a good indication. Um, but also needed to know his thoughts and building out the pitching department, where does it coincide with our thoughts. 
Uh, it wasn't part of the decision whether or not he was going to be a manager, but he's been here for three days, and we've talked about it pretty extensively, and uh, we want and need him to be a part of that. You had good internal candidates. We all know who yeah. they were. But is there a benefit to going outside of the organization? I, I think in this case it is. Um, and it kind of pains me to say that because we've been very intentional in hiring people internally. Uh, we still have people on our staff who, are, who have been hired internally. And you're proud of that because you, you want your minor league staff to – feel like there's going to be opportunity for them to reach the major leagues in whatever position it is. In this case, it was the manager's position. So we did have good internal candidates. We had Scott Thorman, AAA manager. We interviewed Pedro Rafael and um, Vance Wilson. And they all interviewed very well. And they all have different strengths. Uh, but after we got through uh, that you know, initial round, able to talk to our uh, get our committee of people and what do we need. We felt like we needed at this time to get a little bit of outside influence, fresh thoughts, challenge us professionally as well, and I know Matt will do that. What's your reaction to the White Sox? We're really happy, really happy. I had a great discussion with Pedro on uh, Sunday morning when I told him we were going in another direction, but also had you know, kind of a pretty good indication that he was still in the running with the White Sox and in a good spot. Pedro's a pro. Um, he handled it excellent, as did Vance Wilson and Scott Thorman. They all did. Um, but Pedro, you know, if Pedro just believes when it's time. It's it'll, if, if it ever was going to happen, it would happen. And luckily, it was 24, 48 hours later. He's in a great spot. So now he's going to beat him. <laughs> so, it's going to make it interesting. Yeah, it will be. Oh, just to um, make sure I'm correct on this, when he joined the organization, the, the minor league side, was that a uh, process that you led as far as hiring him? Yeah, it was a little bit different because, and I, and I don't remember the specific circumstances, but it was sort of a late, just before spring training hire. You're talking about Pedro. Yeah. yeah. And all we had available, we actually just created it because we knew he'd been a farm director, we knew he was a good baseball mind. We created an assistant hitting job at Rookie Ball for him just to get him in the organization. Um, I, myself, Scott Sharp, we, we had been in farm directors' meetings with him for years, certainly knew Pedro was. Uh, we're the same age, we never played against each other, but I was aware of you know, his days at Florida State. Um, but he's a pro. Um, so it was just a matter of getting him in the organization. Then quickly, next thing you know, he's the assistant major league heading coach. And uh, that was something he mentioned on Sunday as well, how life takes these twists and turns. And who would have thought a rookie ball, assistant rookie ball hitting job would have led to 10, 11 years in the big leagues and a couple World Series and a championship. No, obviously it's still early on, but I mean, have you guys had any discussions as far as, you know, potentially coaches going with him to Chicago? Uh, I'm expecting that there will be a, a request or two, but <laughs> we haven't had any discussions yet. But, I, you know, that that's natural. You know, and I would say that Tampa's probably expecting we're going to call him somebody. You know, it's just, it's natural. We'll be very professional about it. I think we're um, very respectful. Uh, you're not going to decimate somebody's staff. You know, it's, if you can get one staff member to come with you, uh, in this case it would be very helpful for both Pedro and Matt to have somebody they're familiar with. And that's something I think we'll, we'll work out. We just haven't had a good discussion with the White Sox. So how different was this manager search than uh, maybe the one you guys did uh, after 2019? Yeah, well, I, I think because we we were very external. Um, you know, the last time it was really three internal. Uh, Mike was a special assistant the, the year prior to that. Uh, we were very intentional in trying to like really 
expand the horizon, so to speak, and really what's out there that could help the Royals move forward. Um, so I think just in that regard, it was very different. Um, you know, the, we those those interview days are grueling. I mean, it was, it was six or seven hours. Um, you know, basically running straight through day after day after day. But we just felt that's what we needed to, to do. To, it's an important hire. We weren't going to cut any corners. So that's why we chose to do it. So I think it was probably uh, more candidates that were interviewed and external candidates. Was there anything about the process? About, I know those six or seven hours. I mean, that's a, a lot of different angles that you yeah. could go with. Anything about the process that you intentionally did different? Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, without getting into what the process is, I don't... It was a little bit different than last time. The, the scenarios we'd like to take guys through, you try to mimic best you can, like game-like situations, but it's not a game. <laughs> you know, you're sitting in a room talking. Uh, but you try to – what, what we're trying to capture is what questions does a person ask, uh, how uh, – what is his level of well, attention to detail? You know, what's in front of him? How does he utilize that information? What types of questions does he ask? And then ultimately, how does that influence his decision at the end of whatever that question may have been? Just to give you an example, like we did a lineup construction. You know, four straight days, we're facing these four pitchers, you know, two lefties, two righties. Walk us through this. And, um, you know, he, he was able to do that. And, and I will say that was... That was more at the end of the process than the beginning, um, but it was it was a good exercise just to hear what he's thinking about that bullpen usage. And he mentioned it today. The, the depth is important. Using the, the entire roster that came through loud and clear uh, with every exercise we went through. The process was so elaborate, and really structured and collaborative. But I do wonder, if in in the end, if there's some amount of gut feeling in making this decision. Well, there, there is. You know, it, I sought out a lot of advice from general managers that have gone through this. That was where it started. I, I, spent, so I think we were here on a Thursday after our season, but I was in Arizona the next day, and I spent hours on the phone talking to general managers that I'm closer with. You know, give me your advice. And we did talk a lot about, you know, this subjective versus probabilistic uh, decision-making that, that managers, and I, and I got a feel for teams it would be surprising teams that you think are completely probabilistic they're not they're not it, it is there's a subjective subjective piece to this i thought matt explained it well uh, in his press conference here and there's a subjective piece to what we're doing we graded the guys out but we didn't know you know how if the order that we weren't committed to the order of the highest scoring candidate was going to be our our choice there's a subjective piece to that because Ultimately, we all got to be able to work with them. Um, and that was another piece of advice I was given. Whoever you hire, make sure that you can walk in that clubhouse on a 10-game losing streak and have a conversation that's comfortable. And, uh, and Matt wasn't the only one, but that was when we built out that criteria. We were figuring that out before they even came in for an interview. Did it become pretty clear? Early on in the process, so that he was interviewing you guys as well. I mean, we know yeah. he's been linked to other organizations yeah. too. You know, he, he, I think there was a level of excitement he had at the end of the day that I could feel. Uh, we later talked about it after we hired him, and I said, "Was my instinct right?" And he said, "Absolutely." Um, you know, having gone through, you know, you just kind of 
<laughs> you feel a partnership. You know, when it clicks, it clicks. And he felt it. We felt it. Um, our, our group of six um, all felt the same thing I did. I was really anxious. When, what we tried to do was after, we didn't want to talk about each candidate immediately after the interview. We wanted to get through all the interviews first. And then, you know, let's go through how we felt. So I was really anxious to hear not only Matt's breakdown, but the others. Um, but it was unanimous that um, unanimous feeling that Matt gave yeah. you that feeling of comfort. I, I know over a seven-hour day, there might not be one thing that stood out, but just to make sure, was there like a question that he asked or just a point that he made that, that really made you guys think? Oh, I think there, there. Well, you know, again, I because um, you, you saw his demeanor; he was very calm. Um, you know, I wanted to ask, you know, the tough decisions, you know, when you have to sit down with a player, um, it, uh, feedback you might be getting that's negative. And his answer to that, he goes, look, people may see me as naive, but I'm not naive. I'm very aware of what's going on. I just like to listen and I'll take it in, but that may come off as naive. And that's what helps him deal with tougher situations. So that, that stood out to me. Jim, I'm sure the pitching coach and filling out the staff is going to be front and center now for the next week. Yeah. Forever. But you got the offseason's like right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Meetings are coming up quickly. Yeah. How, how do you foresee the next six weeks? How do you foresee yeah. the start of free agency, all of that going? Yeah. And, and how does Matt fit yeah. into that? Well, he'll be part of every decision we make. ANC mentioned he doesn't know our roster extremely well right now, uh, which is not a major concern. Uh, we'll, we'll work through that. Uh, he's going to dive in. He's going to have access now to all of our and all the data we have, so he'll dive into that and sort of formulate his evaluations on our, our roster. November 15th is where we have to protect guys that are not on the 40 right now. November 18th is the tender date, so we, we've had meetings along the way. You know, Monday we spent the whole day talking about our roster. We have the GM meetings starting uh, Monday. We go out Sunday. Uh, GM meetings start Monday, so that group I keep referring to will all be together in Vegas and uh, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time talking about our 40-man roster and, and what we need to do moving forward. And we did have a week, well, three days of meetings, right? After the week after the season with our pro scouts and we have a good idea of what they feel we need to play, whether it's players we need to target or needs of the team. So we, we've put the, we've spent some time on it. We just now our focus is going to be on the team and uh, the, the pitching coach. Jay, when you, you talked about sort of having guys be more active participants in sort of the way things go and just sort of the process and things like that, is that a reaction to what you feel like you guys maybe have been lacking or just? No, I, th I just think it, it's the way that, I don't like using the word I, I try not to, but it's the way I like to work, you know, I just feel like it's a productive way to work. Um, so, you know, when you're putting somebody in a clubhouse with 26 sort of alpha males, you know, they you know, somebody needs to be a good listener. Um, I, I think, and, and when we say listen, it's not just the players. You have performance science, medical, SNC, behavioral science. You know, we're talking about the R and D department. There's so many departments you have to listen to. Uh, we just think that's a 
it's an attribute or a characteristic that, that's really important. It's not reflective of what was or wasn't happening. I just think moving forward, the, a lot of people we're going to be hiring have that have that trait. And then I guess the other part of that too is just, do you feel like that's what players nowadays, specifically talking about players, that that's more what they're used to or more the way that yeah. you know they're geared towards? Yeah, I, I think it, they like to participate in their careers, uh, in the development of their careers, and they want somebody that's going to be open-minded. So I think it's important that players feel that energy from the manager or the pitching coach, whoever it is. I mean, let's, Matt said it well. I mean, he he's the manager of the team. You get the manager of the pitchers, the manager of the hitters. And he and Alec had a chance to spend some time together the other day. He's very comfortable with Alec. Um, but he's going to let those guys work. Um, but putting people in those places that have that same ability to listen, um, Players and they want to participate. They 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 have a thought on what they need to be doing uh, or want to do. They need to know that somebody on the other side of the desk or in the bullpen or in the batting cage is willing to say, "Okay, let's try it." Uh, and I think that exemplifies that in the pitcher coach role as well. That will do it for today. Thanks to our Sports Beat KC production staff of Monty Davis, George Howard, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen, and to Matt Cotrero and JJ Piccolo for answering our questions. Hey, Morning Sports Edition was 50 pages full of baseball news like last night's Houston Astros combined no-hitter in the World Series, also NFL and college football coverage, and so much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. <laughs>